What's up, Parapeeps? We have a brand new tale for you tonight. It is, as promised, pirates. So this is the story Patty talked about on our, uh, what, story time number four episode from last week. So check it out if you want to hear more pirate stories. But this is the one she promised from that episode. Go ahead, Patty. All right. How is everybody tonight? How are you doing? We're good. We're good. <laughs> so, all right. So the story of Theodosia Burr. This is a fascinating story. It's a bit of a ghost story. It's a bit of a mystery story. And it's just an amazing story all the way around. I have been a big fan of Theodosia Burr. And I don't know if exactly a fan of her father, Aaron Burr, of historical fame. Mm-hmm. Um, but certainly he's a colorful character in the tapestry of the beginnings of this nation. So um, Aaron Burr was a very opinionated and bombastic gentleman um, of his time. He got himself into all kinds of craziness. Hallabaloo. Well, he was. He he and um, Alexander Hamilton were contemporaries and competitors. They were friends at some points. They ended up fighting a duel when he shot um, Hamilton. Oh, this is the guy? This is the guy. I knew that sounded familiar, that name. Um, he was also the uh, second vice president of the United States under Thomas Jefferson. At that point in time, and I think it might not have been a bad idea if we go back to this, the president and the vice president ran separate campaigns and they weren't on the same ticket. So you could end up with a with a Tory president and a Democratic vice president. So they had to learn how to work together. Wait, so like... The person who came in second was automatically vice president? No, it wasn't then? It wasn't oh. second. Two people would run for president yeah. and other people would run for vice president. And whoever won in each category oh, had to work together. He, they had vice president elections? Yes. That's weird. And so, um, you know, so, so you got stuck with your vice president. You didn't pick them. You got mm-hmm. stuck with them. And... Um, he was the second vice president under Jefferson. He didn't like Jefferson very much. I think they got along at some points. But again, um, Aaron Burr was a colorful character with very big opinions. Mm-hmm. Um, so in his private life, however, he was extremely in love with his wife. And when she died after their child was born, um, shortly thereafter, um, he was a dedicated father. Now, most men of that period of time would have hired a nanny and the child would have been a distant part of their life from time to time, not Aaron Burr. Aaron Burr undertook um, to raise her and educate her as fine as fine an education as any young gentleman of, of that era could possibly have had, which was rare. So she was taught all the social graces, but she was also taught history and philosophy and law and all these other things. And she was an extremely ad- adept pupil. She was very pretty. She was very talented. And she was very well educated. Hmm. So that kind of puts the story together. So the makings of the story now come to um, most people think that he was that Hamilton, the death of Hamilton is what caused Aaron Burr to flee the country. That is not true. What made Aaron Burr flee the country was actually a series of events that happened out on the river outside of West, western part of West Virginia. There's an island called Blenner Hassett Island, okay, which is right off of Parkersburg, West Virginia. And the story of the Blenner Hassett family is that this um, older gentleman and his young wife showed up, bought this island, and um, built this beautiful mansion and 
were well-to-do and what have you. The story gets really hanky because it turns out that the older man and his wife are actually husband and wife and uncle and niece. <laughs> oh, no. So they were actually fleeing her father's wrath in Ireland. Okay. And moved to the United States. They they moved to, um, I believe it was like New, New York City area, realized that they needed to go farther afield. So they ended up buying this remote island in West Virginia. Then Blenner Hassett is a businessman. And um, he strikes up a, a friendship with Aaron Burr. Now, at the same time, the Louisiana Purchase is beginning to be processed, the whole pro- idea of buying the Louisiana Purchase. So, and... Um, Jefferson's looking at taking over what is now Texas, okay, or part of what is now Texas. So Burr gets the bright idea that he's going to undermine the the idea of taking over Texas or the part of Texas mm-hmm. and that he's going to abscond with this landmass that's now part of Texas and create his own nation between Mexico and the United States. And he and Blenner has to put this plan together. They, they literally hire mercenaries. They have weapons, you know, literally many, many weapons delivered to Blenner Hassett Island. And this is treason. He is a sitting vice president using his office to, um, and the information from his office to help him to undermine, um, a legitimate purchase of land or taking of land by our government for his own personal gain. Okay. It is a treasonous act. So he wasn't trying to stop the Louisiana purchase completely or anything. He He was just trying to take a piece or it was actually Texas. It was part of Texas at the same time. All this is going on. They're also looking at Texas. Okay. So he's, he's shifting everything to the, like keeping everybody's focus on the Louisiana purchase Uh and all that stuff while he's trying to steal the, the part of land that we now know as Texas. Ah, Okay. Okay. To create his own nation. Well, in Parkersburg, there is a, I believe he's a, an attorney who gets wind of what's going on and begins to get suspicious. And he knows Jefferson. So he contacts Jefferson and says, dude, there's some hanky shit going on out here. And Jefferson sends some representatives out who find out about Blennerhassett Island, find out about Aaron Burr's treason and all of this. And this is what puts him in flight. He becomes exiled from the United States. He ends up um, getting on a ship and going toward France, okay? Mm -hmm. Because Blennerhassett gets arrested, the island gets confiscated, and he knows there's a warrant out for his arrest. And he's just like one step ahead of the law. So he he hops a ship and he heads for, for France. So the vice president didn't necessarily have to live in the capital? He could live in his own island. Well, he, can, he could come and go. Well, he didn't live on the island. Like, didn't people he... realize, like, hey, he's not here? Well, no, he wouldn't be. He would be there part of the time, but okay. he would make trips. Gotcha. Okay. And, but he and Blenner Hassett had hatched out this plan, and they were using Blenner Hassett Island as the staging ground to mm-hmm. get everything ready. Gotcha. Okay. Yep. So when the government comes in and arrests Blenner Hassett and confiscates his land for treason, Burr knows that the handwriting's on the wall. Man, he's got to get his ass shaken. Mm-hmm. And they're literally one warrant away from getting him. So he takes off and hops on a ship and heads for France. Now, Theodosia, who is the light of his life and his only child, 
and she's struggling through her own series of problems. She ends up married um, to um, the governor of South Carolina at the time, whose name was Joseph Alston. And they have a little boy. I think she calls him Crampy. And um, he's a, he's a, that's his nickname. Okay. And um, he's very sick all oh. his life. And she spends a lot of her her early formative years trying to save him. Like she's everywhere. Um, she took him to psychics and faith healers and doctors all over the country to try to save his life. And he passes away. Mm. So she's devastated and Burr's devastated because this is his only grandchild. And of course, Joseph Olson's um, devastated. And now her father's gone, who is, you know, he's also the light of her life. He was, they were the, they were the dearest of friends as well as being father and daughter. And so because of um, everything that's going on, um, Joseph Alston, her husband, decides that she says she wants to see her father terribly. And she's just, you know, she's wilting in front of his eyes because she's under such depression over losing their child and then her father out of her life. And they're, they're kind of um, stuck with writing letters back and forth, which take forever in that time period. So the idea, Joseph Alston comes up with this idea that um, if he gets her, her on a ship and they go out beyond the, the American limits to the international water, Burr can get on a ship in, in France and come out to international water and they can stay on this ship together she can board her, her her dad's ship and they can stay there together um, for several weeks and spend some time together. Maybe it'll make her feel a little better. So the plans are put together for this to happen. And eventually the time comes for them um, to go ahead and get on board the ship and and the plan is that she'll spend several weeks with her father and then reboard her ship and that she's she's on and he's he's procured for her it's a little schooner and um the crew will bring her back home but she will have at least gotten to see her father again and that's how it starts so theodosia's in the water she's waiting for her, um you know she's headed out to see her father um and the little ship is called the Patriot. The little schooner's named the Patriot. There's only like a small crew and a couple passengers who are, who are like her um, her maid and a doctor and a few other people that the Mr. Alston thinks she might need, you know, because she's fairly frail and what have you. And when um, she uh, doesn't respond, he doesn't hear anything from her in weeks and weeks. Um, You know, he um, he starts looking for her and he writes in a, a letter to Aaron Burr. My mind is tortured. It's been 30 days. My wife is either captured or lost. I do not know what to do. Um, my boy and my wife are gone both. And he's like, um, you may well observe that you feel severed from the human race. And she was the last thing that bound us as a species. I am I am beyond lost. He was truly devastated. He lost his child, his wife. She's just gone. And nobody has a freaking clue what happened. She's gone. The ship's gone. Everything's gone. There's not a survivor to tell the tale or anything. Um, so 
you know, um, Joseph, her husband, Joseph Alston, he, um, he, he tries to find any bit of information for years about her. Eventually there would be this guy who's, um, he was, basically was a pirate. Okay. There's no other way. And, um, to explain it, he ends up, um, getting ill on the outer, um, living on the outer banks and he ends up in a small cottage on the outer banks ill and dying. And he, he tells some people there, I need to tell somebody what I did, what we did when I was young. And he confesses that, um, he was a pirate aboard this particular ship. He names everybody that, um, the guy, the guy's name is, um, Gene Lafarges. And, um, he said that, um, he was a pirate with this Gene Lafarges and, uh, Robert Johnson, and that they had taken a little schooner that was poorly manned and that it was called the Patriot. And then on board, they found this beautiful woman. Um, she was very pale, very frail with dark hair and very soft spoken and very, um, very mannerly, very much the fine, gentle lady. And the um, pirate that he, he served under decided to take her to one of the little tiny islands off of um, the Cape. And he left her there with um, guards and continued on. He was going to basically get rid of the booty and come back. And her fate would have been pretty terrible when he came back. He wasn't planning to treat her well. So, um, realizing that she was going to be raped and murdered, you know, in some fashion it was going to happen. There was not much else that was going to happen. Um, she waits until her captors are drunk one night and she walks, escapes and goes, there's nowhere to go to. There's no ship to get on. There's no nothing and walks into the ocean and drowns herself. And they knew she had done so because they had found um, the ribbons from her dress along the edge of the water and um, some other little pieces of her garments that made them realize that she had stepped into the ocean, her hair ribbons and what have you. Um, he said that everybody else um, had been killed, that there had been a mutiny and that the other people, the other crew had kind of joined them. And, um, at first the thought had been to, to ransom her and then they realized that she could recognize them all and so that she could not go back. And that's the story. They claim she haunts this little island. I mean, how you would prove this or not prove this, I don't know. But it is a fascinating story and it's a fascinating ghost story that supposedly Theodosia Burr is seen walking along the um, shore of one of these little islands. A woman, a tall woman, um, slim and pale with long dark hair pulled back in a bun wearing a blue dress and she walks into the ocean and is no more so she just continuously walks into the ocean they see her walk along the shore people have seen her walk along the shore and then into the water and then she's gone so she's either still trying to escape or it's a memory one of the two it's a trace but it's a fascinating story in, in so many ways well, and I mean, that's real history, right? It so, is real history. So every that's always it, cool. Every word of it is true. We can get away with that on this podcast as long as we say they turn into a ghost at the end. I can tell real history Mwah. stories all night long if Mwah. I want to. <laughs> Let's... But if you read about her life and what have you, she was yeah. a fascinating woman. Um, you know, 
And that's not the only story, though. I mean, there are other stories that she's buried um, in um, a cemetery in Alexandria, Virginia, that that she her body washed up on a shore and they didn't know who she was. So they buried her as an unknown. There's there's several stories. But the fact of the matter is that however you look at it, Theodosia Bird disappeared at sea and never was found again. And it's a it's just a. Um, an incredible story of American history and of one woman's loss and tragedy. And what they do with the other crew? They took her, but did they just kill they all killed, of them? Or? They killed the other passengers, the nurse and the doctor, her mm-hmm. maid and all that. And then supposedly the crew of, of her little um, ship joined up with the pirates rather than getting killed, which often they did do. They would accept the crew of another ship if they would agree to work with them and they would hire them on and that would save their lives. So they would do it. And then, you know, sometimes they found out they got rich because, you know, you could make a lot of money if you helped rob several ships a year. So some people stayed and some just slithered away whenever they got to a port somewhere and could get away from them. It's crazy crazy to think about American pirates. There were many American pirates. Right. But you know, you pirates of the Caribbean is all British. Yeah. Like, or you'd think they came from, you know, well, the Caribbean islands frame, or whatever. The, a lot of the pirates in the 1700s were British because they were, I mean, they were American, but right. they were also British because we were a British nation in the 1700s until the late 1700s. But, um, you but know, but being off pirates. the Outer Banks and, you know yeah. what I mean? Like, it'd be weird to be a a, American and look way. out like right now and see like pirate ships hanging out, you yeah. know? <laughs> Still cool. But it's a fascinating story, is it not? Yeah, absolutely. And I learned something. What did you learn? I just learned what happened about Aaron Burr after the duel. Yeah, everybody thinks he he fled because of the duel, but that's not the case. Hmm. Um, he fled because he was going to be arrested for treason. All right. Well, there you go, pair of peeps. That's your story. And we'll have another one for you ASAP.